been um, uh, through the beginning of this year uh, talking about relationships and how to renovate our relationships, our relationship reno series. I noticed that uh, this time of year is always a time when, um, when uh, you know, uh, Home Depot and those places kind of go into high gear to promote renovations because it's kind of the time when we're locked in our homes and we're thinking, well, that's a good time to fix up the basement. <laughs> and um, so we're thinking about, we thought that same kind of concept with our relationships, you know, it's, uh, it's a time to renovate. And uh, we've been, this is our fourth message in this series. And if you missed any of those messages, you can go to our website, parkwaychurch.ca, and you can uh, listen to those podcasts. And um, if uh, you can catch up on those things, and we've talked about uh, uh, knowing ourselves, we've talked about um, what uh, singleness is about um, a little bit, and uh, dating. Uh, Eric talked about that last week. The only complaint I got about Eric's message last week came from a real estate agent. <laughs> because Eric spent some time saying why it might be good to rent instead of buy, right? <laughs> and this real estate agent friend of mine who was in church last week, he said, he said, you know, he said, that might be true in some markets, but the Ottawa market, it's still better to buy than rent. Okay? So there you go. Pass that on to you. Um, and we're going to have a little bit of real estate theme this morning, too, because I'm talking about marriage makeovers, and I'm talking about whether the decision that we have to make, whether we're going to love it or list it. Now, for those of you who don't get what I just said because you only ever watch uh, the sports network or a news network, and you've never watched HGTV or the women's network, then you don't know what I'm talking about. So let me tell you what it is. It's a television show, a reality television show, that, uh, that finds a family that are frustrated with their home. They don't like the home that they're living in. Once they bought it, they loved it. Uh, but now they've, you know, added a few more kids or something has changed in their life and they've decided that they don't like their house anymore and they have to make a decision. Are they going to renovate or are they going to sell it and buy a new house? Are they going to love their house or are they going to list it? And so in come uh, two people, a designer and a real estate agent. And the designer says, I'm going to fix up your house so you'll love it. And the real estate agent says, that will never happen you will never love this house again. I'm going to find you the perfect house so you'll list your house and you'll buy the new one. It's love it or list it. Okay? Now, I need to tell you some things about that television show. I love that television show, personally. Um, and I almost always choose the love it side because I'm, I'm a bit of a designer myself and um, I love that challenge of taking something that isn't working and making it work. That, to me, is the, is the fun part. Anybody can build a new house with lots of space in it. You know, anybody can do that. You know, you can be an architect and do that. You don't need to be a designer. You don't have any creativity to do that, you know. But can you take something that's old and make it work for you? Uh, that's a challenge. And I like that challenge. But anyway, so I almost always love it. But you know what? I met someone recently, and he, didn't, he couldn't tell me this. He's an actor. Uh, he couldn't actually tell me this because he signed a contract that said he couldn't do that, but he hinted enough around to tell me that some of those families aren't really real. <laughs> Sometimes those couples um, that are trying to love it or list it, they're actors. So that's just a reality TV, you know. <laughs> 
So I hate to burst your bubble, but anyway. So are you going to love it or list it? Every person that gets into a relationship, a long-term relationship with a partner, gets married, their only intention is to be in love for the rest of their lives. I've married a lot of people as a pastor, and not one couple has said to me, this is temporary. Not one couple has said that to me. They've all said, this is for keeps, till death do us part. That's their intention. They want to love it all their lives. But something happens to some people in their marriage experience. They get down the road a little bit. Sometimes it's not very far. And they say, I'm not sure if I want to um, stick with this. Something's not working. There's not room. There's, not, there, there, there's too many things that have in, are interfering, and I want out, and I want to try something new. And instead of loving what they, they have, they start thinking about listing it and trading in for something different. So today we want to talk about that a little bit. And I want to just clarify right from the start here. I'm not talking about the choice that you make that some people have to make in their marriage where they have come to a crisis um, where someone has been abusive or someone has been degrading or demeaning or have abandoned. I, I'm not talking about those extreme situations where, um, where it's not safe for people to stay in a, in a relationship. So I want that to be clear. I'm talking here about a lot of the, the normal life cycle that many of us go through, the traumatic experiences that we might go through that put pressure on our relationships and make us think that maybe it would be better to get out. So I don't, wanna, I don't want everyone to think that I'm saying here that you should never, ever consider um, leaving someone who's maybe abusive or who's hurtful or whatever. I, I want you to understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about those of us who, who maybe hit something. You know, when you're young, sometimes you're, you're a bit naive and you think, okay, this is going to be great. But then, you, you know, when you get married, you realize, wow, I've given up a lot here. And singleness was so much freedom and that kind of thing. And you start thinking about it. Or maybe you're older in your married life and your kids have grown up and, you know, you're sitting across the table from this person you barely know anymore because your life has been so wrapped up in your career and in your kids and now you're at a situation where you think, I don't know this person. We don't really have anything in common. Maybe it's time to list it. Maybe it's time to look for something new. Um, Oftentimes when people go through a crisis, like a health crisis in their, in their life or in their family, one of the, one of the most vulnerable uh, situations that couples find themselves in is if they have a, a child that has a terminal illness. That can be one of the most devastating things to a marriage. There's all kinds of things that can come into your life. It could be a bankruptcy. It could be a loss of a job. These things come in and they put pressure, clutter into your life and you start to wonder, is this really what I want to keep doing or do I want to start out and do something new? Love it or list it. Let's start with a scripture verse, a, a, a piece of wisdom advice from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, in the scripture it says, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you, 
Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Those are words of wisdom coming from the book of Proverbs. These are not a commandment. The, the book of Proverbs is a book in the, in the Older Testament, the older writings of Scripture that happened before Jesus um, comes. So it's, it's in, the, in the B.C. eras, okay? And it's a very old, ancient wisdom literature. And so when you read the book of Proverbs, and I highly recommend the book of Proverbs to you, it's a good place to start because it's just full of good advice. But it's not legalistic. It's not laws, it's just giving, it's just telling you this is a good way to think about your life and how to, how to live. It's just pieces of wisdom that you can come, godly pieces of wisdom. So here's one that comes to us about how to value your marriage. Now, the other thing you need to know about this portion of scripture is it's kind of written from the male perspective only, right? You need to understand back in those days, um, everything was rested on the decision of the male. If you were a woman, you didn't have the choice to love it or list it. You were stuck. In fact, your father probably chose your husband for you, and you didn't even have any choice about who you were going to marry, and you had no choice whether you could, would stay in the marriage or get out of the marriage. It was the way the culture was at that time. So the right way to look at this verse in our culture, because things have changed, and rightfully so, I'm very grateful that we live in a, in a world where, where everyone is considered equal, and uh, women have the right to choose their own uh, future, as well as men do. So it's important for us to understand that we're talking here in the generic outside of a gender role. So husbands, it's saying you should stick with the wife that you married when you were young. And wives, you should stick with the husband you married when you were young. Um, that it's worth investing and loving this marriage through all time. I think what's behind this is the idea that every marriage relationship, every partnership, long-term partnership, has the potential of bringing great joy. Every marriage relationship has the potential of satisfying everybody's uh, um, desires in, uh, in, or their, their yearnings for love and acceptance and all the things that we look for in that kind of relationship. You know... Um, when you, uh, when you start thinking about what you want, when I, when I talk to young couples who are getting married and I say, well, what kind, of, what kind of life do you plan on having together? Well, when they're young, they're very, very idealistic. They think they're just going to smoothly float into this wonderful domestic lifestyle where everything goes on you know, just so nicely. And you have to say, well, are you ready for some of the challenges that come your way? Because what you're picturing isn't necessarily exactly what you're going to get. So it's important that when we, when we face those situations that we remind ourselves of what got us into this, the, the ideals and the goals that we have in our life and the things that we want for our marriage and for our life. Um, in, uh, in, the, in the book of uh, Philippians, Paul is not talking about marriage, but Paul kind of gives the concept here about uh, 
pressing on to reach the end, to, re- to, to run a race, to receive the prize, to get the goal. And when you, when you commit into a partnership, into a, into a relationship like a marriage, you're committing to an end goal. You're thinking, you're sitting there and you're thinking about someday we're going to be old, we're going to be, we're going to be rocking in our rocking chairs on a great big porch, and uh, we're going to be sitting out there and the sun's going to be setting over the hills and there's going to be no mosquitoes. And... <clears throat> <laughs> and our little grandchildren are going to be around and about us, and, and we're, you know, they're going to be perfect, like mine are. Um, they're going to just be well-behaved. You know, we just, we just have this idealized view, and we need to keep our eye on that prize. Because a lot of that, well, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have mosquitoes if you live around here. Um, but a lot of that can really happen. Those things that we look for. But what oftentimes happens with people is they stop visualizing what they really want. You see, this is what I notice when I watch Love It and List It. Love It or List It. This is what I notice. Most people, when they invite the, the, the designer and the real estate agent in, their house is a mess. There's piles of laundry over here, and there's kids' toys all over here, and the bed's not made, and, you know, they've just got too much stuff. Their cupboards are open, and everything's falling out of their cupboards, and they're, you know, they, they do this, they often do this little thing on the show where, you know, one person's trying to get out of the bathroom while the person's trying to get out of the bedroom, and the door's bumping into each other, and there's, they're trying to show that there's no room in this house. And sometimes if we focus on those, those things that we look at our own stuff and we say, oh my goodness, look at how cluttered my house is. And then, you know, you look at a magazine, you know, you pick up that magazine and nobody has any clutter. And, and we go to our friend's house and she's just a perfect housekeeper and, uh, or she has a housekeeper. And... <laughs> And everything is just, you know, perfect because, you know, and, and we think, oh my goodness, if, if I had this, and we think we need to trade in our house for a new house because you look at it with your own eyes and with your own vision and your vision is limited because you're seeing what is right now and you're not seeing what could be. Because when the designer comes into your house that you find cluttered and full of mess and all that kind of thing, well, she immediately sees something different. She sees all your stuff put away in storage. (laughs) She sees your old saggy couch replaced with a brand new one. She sees that wall, that doorway where the two doors kind of bump each other, the bathroom and the bedroom. She sees that 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 wall can be moved. And a closet can be turned into another bathroom. And the basement can be turned into a beautiful family room and an extra guest bedroom. And your kitchen can be remodeled. She sees all this. And she looks at it and she sees something way beyond what you have. And when you're looking at your relationships, you're looking at these things in your life, what are you looking at? Are you looking at what your neighbor has? Are you looking at, at, at how their relationship seems to be going and you're failing to really, you, you, you've lost that dream and that hope that you had and you're giving up. Because the amazing thing, when people walk into that home after the, the, the designer has worked on their home, they, 
you know, the first thing they say is, oh my God. Why do they always say that? <laughs> God had nothing to do with it, right? But they, you know, they, but they walk in and they say, oh my, this doesn't look like my house at all. But it is because someone had a vision. They had an idea. They could see past the clutter. They could see past what's right now. And they saw down the road and they saw that with, with, with some work and with some planning and with some, some creativity, the mess that was now could be something totally different. So you need to understand that you always have that great potential. Now, <clears throat> the scripture verse we talked about had that awkward line about let her breast satisfy you every day. <laughs> Did anybody feel awkward when I read that? You see, the Bible does not skirt the real issues of life. And one of the things you need to understand is that God, God has put into marriage some of the most fulfilling things in your life. And one of the things that every person yearns for is to be loved, to be intimate. And the sexual component of our life is something that it is not good to ignore. And a lot of marriages fail because people neglect this part of their life. And it's a very important part of your life. And I think that's why the wisdom of the writer of Proverbs is saying here, don't forget that this person that you were so attracted to when you were young can still be attractive to you when you're old. That there is still that component of love and intimacy and attraction that is not something that you should ever give up on. Well, you know, <clears throat> uh, I, I did a little bit of looking around and I, f I found an article from the Globe and Mail in 2013 that talks about a book written by a local psychologist here in Ottawa. And she wrote the book, The, Revolution the Revolutionary New Science of Romantic Relationships. She's a clinical psychologist. Her name is Dr. Sue Johnson. Now, she's not the television personality, Dr. Or Sue Johansson, okay, if you know who she is. We're not talking about the same person. This is a, a clinical psychologist here in Ottawa who is a professor at Ottawa University. Her thesis, based on decades of neuroscience research into human emotion, is that just like the bond parents have with their offspring, monogamous love makes sense as a survival code. She says, we've understood so much about the power of adult love relationships, how this emotional bond creates a safe haven for us in life, allows us to grow and function in an optimal level, as well as how emotional isolation and disconnection are extremely costly to us as a species. Monogamy, she says, makes sense. And yet there are so many forces pulling us away of being, of being aware of relationships. Among them are porn, a robust friends with benefits culture, and attention splicing technology, she says. She says people are their best when coupled up, not isolated. It's been shown in research, but we now, we know in, in our gut, that with somebody valuing us, loving us, listening to us, and supporting us, we are the best we can be then, she says. We take risks, believe in ourselves, and deal with problems better. If you're securely connected yourself, you're more assertive, more trusting, confiding. You're better at dealing with ambiguity. 
She talks a little bit more about some of these, these risk factors. She says porn is a bad teacher. People who don't trust other people are into performance and sensation. The trouble with that is it's endless. You need more and more performance and sensation because you're emotionally numb, she says. What we're creating in our society is this empty, formulaic, going-through-the-motion sexuality. Porn is a lesson in how to be a really bad lover. She says monogamy yields the best sex. The people who have the best sex enjoy it the most and have most have sex most often are people in long-term committed relationships. She says, citing the survey research of University of Chicago sociologist Edward Lauman, who found that monogamous couples are the cohort having the most sex and also the happiest with their sex lives. You see, the, the, the wisdom of the ancient text isn't far off of what the modern experts are saying. There's value in investing in the relationship that you already have. The most satisfaction physically, emotionally, all that intimacy is best found in that relationship that you've already invested in. It's better to love it rather than list it. But not every project is a do-it-yourself project. Not every project is a do-it-yourself project. Sometimes on those reality TV shows, they make that project look so easy. You can renovate a whole kitchen in, you know, in, in a weekend. It's totally unrealistic. Um, <clears throat> those of you who have done renovations or built or anything like that, you know it always takes longer than it's supposed to. And always goes over budget, it seems. And, but oftentimes those things that you, you, you think, okay, they make it look so easy, I'll just go to Home Depot and I'll do one of those little seminars at the front of the store then I'll go buy all the stuff and I'll go home and do it. Or I'll just use YouTube to uh, teach me how to do my plumbing or whatever. You realize, you know, after a while when you've got leaking water all over the place or the drywall's falling off or, or something is just not working right, you should have called an expert. You should have called somebody that really knew what they were doing. Sometimes in your relationships, when you hit a bump in the road, when you, when you have one of those moments or one of those seasons where you think maybe it's time to list this, maybe it's time to get out of this, sometimes your relationships, you think, you think we can just fix this ourselves. We'll just talk about it a little bit or not talk about it. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just pretend it never happened. And we'll just carry on. And we'll just go back to where we were two years ago. You know, when you try to fix it yourself, it doesn't always work. In fact, it can make it worse. You've got to have the judgment of whether or not this is something that's minor and you can fix it yourself, or do you need to call in some help? This is such an important project in your life. You can't, you can't fail to make the right decision. You know, your home, when you are looking at renovating, that's your, they would say that's your biggest financial investment you've made in your life and that you will ever make in your life. So what you do with it has great ramifications and even so, more so, your marriage and your partnerships. So here's some advice if you're thinking about listing it. Number one, be honest with yourself, your partner, and with some other safe people. 
There's a, there's a point where you come and you have to be willing to be humble. It's a really hard thing to do, to say to your spouse, you know, I, I think we've kind of hit a wall in our relationship. It's hard to admit that something that everyone else seems to be doing so well, you can't do it. It's hard to go to your friend or to someone else and say, you know, my wife and I, we are struggling right now, and could you just help us, pray for us, be there for us? It's very humbling, but it's necessary to get to that point. It's necessary that you reach out to each other and to someone else in your world in order to to just put it out there and be honest about it and take that humble way and begin praying about it with your spouse. Begin asking God to help you and show you the way out of this. A lot of people don't want to do that. What they want to do is they want to pretend nothing's going wrong and then it explodes somewhere down the road. And it's past the point. You know, one of my most frustrating thing as a pastor trying to help couples is that oftentimes they wait too long to invite someone in to help them. And by that time, so many, so many negative things have happened, so many harsh words, so much blaming, so much, so much uh, anger has, has had played its, its, wreaked its havoc in their life that it's almost irreparable. Or any will to repair it is completely gone. So I think that's the first step. Second step might be just to take uh, take advantage of some local opportunities, some things that maybe are free, access available services. If you look at your your um, catalog for small groups coming up, uh, one of them is the Alpha Marriage Course, and uh, if if you know that's a really good place to start. It's a, it's a good place if you say, you know, uh, our marriage could use a little tune-up. We could use a little bit of time, guided conversation about what our marriage is about. That's a great place to do, give your, your marriage a little tune-up. And uh, that course is going to be running beginning next week because the curriculum isn't in yet, but tonight they're going to meet and have, just have a dinner, a casual dinner. So if you're interested in joining the Alpha course, it's not too late. Uh, Fred and Evelyn are here. They're the facilitators and hosts of, of this. And, uh, and you can just talk to someone at the Welcome Desk. They'll connect you with them. But this is a great opportunity for you to do a little tune-up for your marriage. And I, now you may be thinking, I don't want to go to some group and talk about my marriage. You don't have to do that. In fact, you, uh, you don't talk to anybody except your spouse about your marriage in the Alpha Course. All right? So it's not one of those, like, blah, all over the place. <laughs> you don't have to listen to someone else talk about, you know, you don't have to... Ugh. It's for you as a couple... But the added bonus is you're doing it along with people. There's some, there's some integration of, of, uh, of connecting with some other people. And it really is a very supportive way to give your marriage a tune-up. I also noticed one ministry that we have accessed a lot here at Parkway Church is LL Ministries. And uh, we, a lot of people have gone and done retreats there. And, and, and uh, we've had them in here doing their modular course uh, over a couple years. And, uh, but they're offering uh, a marriage conference in a couple weeks in the month of February at a local church. And that's a good place to go. Just give yourself a little tune-up or just to start thinking about some things. 
And uh, we can give you uh, information about that. You can write on your connection card. Could you send me information about the marriage conference? We'll send that to you, okay? So that you can get registered for that. I also want you to know that, that I'm here and other pastors are here to be support to you as you go through seasons in your life and difficulties. If, uh, you know, this is, I could be one of those people that you open up to and, uh, and it's a very confidential thing, but it's just a good way for you to get, get it out there that you need some help. Now, I can spend a couple sessions with you and, and talk to you, give you some spiritual direction, talk about some scripture verses, talk about some general principles like I'm talking here this morning, but I'm not a professional counselor, I'm not trained as a counselor, and I won't take on the, the responsibility of counseling you through a, a marriage crisis. Okay, I've, I, I've come to realize I'm not equipped for that. So I'll refer you to someone because you may need um, some professional help. And we have some great counselors in this city that we can refer you to. And there's a, always a hesitancy there with people about professional help because, well, number one, it's going to cost me some money. Well, do you know how much divorce costs? Find someone today that's had a divorce and ask them, how much did your divorce cost? By the time you pay all the lawyer's fees and the court costs, and then you have to buy, uh, you have to take two houses, you have to take one house, sell it, and buy two houses, and furnish two houses, and you got to, you know, all that mess. That's not cheap, folks. It makes 125 or 150 bucks an hour for, for 10 weeks seem like a bargain. You'll pay your lawyer a lot more than 150 bucks an hour. You know, sometimes people are hesitant to, to go to a counselor because they say, they say, well, you know, I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to tell me. Believe me, I've been there. For years, in my own personal life, I thought, well, I, I should, maybe I should go to a counselor. I thought, no, nah, they're just going to tell me this. They're just going to give me this bit of advice. Until I finally went to a counselor. And they didn't talk about anything I thought they were going to talk about. And at first I thought, what are they doing? They don't even know what they're doing. (laughs) Humble yourself. You'll save yourself. You'll save your marriage. You'll save your family. You'll save your kids and your grandkids the agony and the hurt that's involved in the breakup of such a vital relationship. If you're married here this morning... You have invested in something that is one of the most supreme things that you can have. I'm 55 years old now. I got married when I was 19. I have five kids. I have eight grandchildren. I've had a, I've had a great career. I've, I've got a certain amount of material success. All my needs are met. But you know what the most valuable thing in my life is? Is those intimate relationships that I have with my wife, with my kids, with my, my, my uh, son-in-law and daughters-in-law and my, my grandkids. I wouldn't trade anything for that. And if you're in a situation where you're thinking maybe it's time to list it, don't give up until you've tried everything that you can possibly try because it's worth it. It's worth every bit of it. And if you're not married, you're not in a, in a long-term relationship, that's okay. 
Like Eric said last week, maybe it's better to rent than buy. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, a, that's an okay decision. And Eric talked really well about the scriptural research behind that, all that kind of thing. That's, that's fine. But I don't want you to say, I'm never going to get married because it's too much work and it's probably going to fail. You're, 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 you're cutting yourself off from one of the most valuable, um, meaningful things that you could ever have in your life. Love it. Don't list it. Lord, I pray today for every person that's here that you would, again, like I said before, Lord, meet them right where they are.